Good morning, church. All right. I get the privilege of standing up here and being vulnerable and <laughs> looking nervous in front of you guys. No, I get the privilege of uh, looking at uh, Revelations chapter 1 with you. But before we do that, uh, kids, children, are you in here today? All right. I have a question for you. It's an easy question. It's a softball. It's not a softball question, but it's, a, it's an easy question. So um, are you noticing in your life people that you would like to be like, that you want to be like? It could be in your family, uh, extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, sports community. That's what I'm trying to get at. Um, if so, would anyone be dare to share who you want to be like that you're noticing in your life? Alex? Just trying to remember. All right, we'll get back to you. No? No one, huh? Some guy. You want to be like some guy? That's cool. No, that's great. That's from where? Birds of prey. All right. So, kids, I want, I want to share this. Oh, you have one over there? He froze. That's right. I, I'm, I'm freezing up here, too. Anyways, uh, children, one time, while Jesus was on this earth, walking this earth, his disciples were having a conversation, and they were talking about who was going to be great in the kingdom of God, who is going to be you know, the man, who's going to be the best. Um, and Jesus said something that is pretty wild. He, he told them, unless you turn, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. That is wild, right? Um, so what Jesus was pointing at and getting to is that kids right now, where you are at in your childhood, is a place for us adults to look to, to draw to for an example of how to enter into the kingdom of God, right? Your eagerness um, to receive love is something that we have a hard time doing. Um, your your um, readiness to be cared for, we adults sometimes have a hard time to do that, to receive care in your uh, willingness to trust. That's, that's what, uh, man, we have a hard time. So what, else, what Jesus was saying is that, kids, where you're at right now, it's okay to be a kid. It's actually, it's a really good thing. And um, sometimes we just have to remember it's, that we are children, right? Um, let me pray for the kids, right? Father, we thank you, Lord, that in your body, that there is a place for everyone, that everyone belongs, and that you use us where we are at, from the littlest to the oldest, Lord. We can look to them to see, your, to see you at work. Now give us eyes to do that, to see that in our kids, and give our children eyes to see you at work in, them, in, their, in themselves. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, before I get started, uh, I don't want to. I, was, I wasn't trying to be glib about 
what Jesus said. He did, Jesus didn't come down to just give us good ideas, right? We have good ideas in the church. There's plenty of them. Um, Jesus came down to give us life and life more abundant. And I, and I know that there's reasons for us adults. We have experienced heartbreak, right? So it hinders us to trust. We have experienced some degree of betrayal. Um, but that is what the Lord is asking us to turn like a child to offer him, right? Because when we hold on to those things, we remain childish, right? But when we trust them with the Lord, we get to experience the sonship and the daughtership of God. And that's what Jesus' heart really desires, is that we know who we are in him, right? Now, let's go to Revelations. Oh, my goodness. Revelations, um, chapter 1. We should probably, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, you could tell. I'm nervous. So I'm going to pray again, because that's what I do. <laughs> Father, we pause knowing that you are in this place, that when we gather, you are present. Help us be present to you. Lord, Lord, we rejoice that you have things for us, that you have a word for us, you have an encouragement, you have a conviction, you have things for us. We ask, Lord, that we can see those things. We ask that we hear your voice, we see you, and we find you more beautiful today. And we ask, Lord, that uh, you help us yield to your Holy Spirit's work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The revelation to John, the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, to be honest, when I was preparing for this, uh, this book is true to its nature. Um, the, the word revelation means unveiling, revealing, disclosing. And in my preparation, a lot of things were being brought up in me. A lot of things were being revealed. Um, all the baggage that I have accumulated over the years in regards to this book. Um, I was born in the 80s, um, and uh, there was some overlap uh, for some, some uh, well, I was born in the 80s, and I was born in a church that was very charismatic. And we would do these outreaches. We'd go out to neighborhoods, and we would screen a movie. And the movie we would screen was A Thief in the Night. Does that sound familiar? Right. So uh, that's a 70s movie about the end times. I think the goal of that movie was to scare you so you could love God. And uh, it scared me. I was a kid. I was scared. And then when I was a teenager, um, I experienced that, uh, that series. And I'm not making fun, but sometimes it's funny. Um, that, that series of books that became a movie, the Left Behind series, right? Um, I think there was even a video game being made where you had to, yeah, I'm serious. It's, um, so all this stuff was coming up, right? Well, I was like, oh my goodness, and, and, I, and I get it, and I, and I get why um, this book can be taken to some strange places. And it can be um, 
because of the, the nature of the book, it's uh, apocalyptic literature, right? It is rich uh, Hebrew poetry, right? And in this book, we get these amazing images that seem to like transcend ages, that every age, every generation could look to it and kind of go, oh my gosh, that's this. And, and we've seen, and I've even fell into this, I would read this book, not literally, but it felt like it, uh, read this book while I'm watching the news and go, oh yep, there, that's him, that's the Antichrist, I figured it out, right? Um, it gives way for, for that. Um, however, the Lord is gracious because he gives us a blessing right off the bat, right? As soon as we open this book, in the first three verses, he gives us a clue of how we should receive this book, how we should receive all the word of God. But uh, he says, now, blessed is he who reads this aloud. Um, blessed is he who hears it. And blessed is he who keeps it. And the idea of keeping it is, blessed is he who takes it to heart, right? Who lets it fall to where it needs to live and where we can experience his word in our heart, right? Um, because of the nature of the book, it can stay up here. And it could stay in a realm where we're trying to be calculated and figure out what the end of the world or the end of things. That is, um, you guys know, we can't calculate and figure out God. We can't. We can know things about him, but he doesn't want us just to know things about him. He wants us to know him, know him intimately. And we let it fall, let it fall. And we have to do that with trust. Um, so we are going to try to do that, take it to heart. And I'm going to be honest, uh, it's probably going to be really short. And that's good, right? Because uh, I could hear some stomachs already grumbling. Not really. So. And the best way I think we could take this to heart is let's dive deep into the relationship in which this letter is going, um, is, is being delivered to, right? The reality that we are living in now, the relationship that we are in with, uh, with God now. This is um, letters. This is letters to a church from their God. It is letters, it's a message from a husband to a wife, to a father to a son, right? So that helps, helps it, helps it get to where it needs to go. And it comes through John. This is Saint John. This is the Apostle John. This is the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was one of the sons of thunder. But before any of that, before those were true about him, he was a fisherman, right? He was a fisherman, and he was a Jewish man who, who grew up in the Jewish customs around. Um, he knew the religious system. He heard the stories about God, the stories that we went through in Exodus. He's familiar with those, right? He knows about them. Um, he was in a situation where he, he, was, he was, I'm trying to say he's just, just an average dude, right? Kind of like me, kind of like other people in here. Um, <laughs> and then um, he was in the middle of a very charged political climate, right? The, the, he was in the middle of disease, leprosy. It all existed in his time, right? He had to find a way of living. And like 
us, John one day heard a voice, heard a voice call him, and that voice led him to come face to face with God, God in the flesh, Jesus, right? Just like us, we've heard Jesus' voice, right? And we had, we were learning how to hear it. John did that too. John had to uh, learn to trust and follow Jesus, just like we do. Right? John was there in the flesh when Jesus said some wild things, crazy things, crazy things that still change us today. Things like, I am the bread of life. Now, at that time, it was blowing people's mind. Now, we're, we become familiar with it, but it's still, we still have to approach it the same way with faith, with receiving it by faith, right? He was there when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He had to wrestle with that, right? Just like we do. I hope we are wrestling with that because it's in the wrestling that we, it becomes real. If we just accept it, then it becomes familiar and it loses its, what, what? Okay, yeah, I, I know that. I know, I heard that before. John heard it and had to have, ask all the same questions we did. What does this mean? Right, what does this mean for me? Right? John had to, um, <laughs> he had to follow Jesus and watch Jesus experience things in the flesh. He saw the tears of Jesus, right? He ate with Jesus. He became familiar with God's voice. I mean, we forget that they walked together. They did life together. Um, Jesus probably said, hey, pass the wine, right? He knew Jesus in, a, in an intimate way, right? And just like us, John had to see um, someone he loved, Jesus. Some people that we love, he had to learn to see how sin can disfigure and mar people, right? People that someone he loved, he had to learn to, to see his part in the sin, in the relationship, right? John was there when uh, Jesus was betrayed, right? He was there and he had to learn how to let his idea of God and Savior die in front of him. He had to grieve that relationship lost at the time. And then he, just like us, John had to <laughs> accept and, and began to trust, wait, Jesus is resurrected? He's alive? What does that mean? Um, and that this resurrected God, and he mentions it here in John, the, the people that pierce him, he still has those wounds? What does that mean? That we can, you can have a resurrected life full of life and still have wounds? He had to wrestle with that. He had to figure out what that meant. He had to learn to live with this, all while learning to trust Jesus. And then 
he got to watch Jesus ascend to the clouds. Right? The last time he saw him physically on this earth, right? he watched him. And then he had to learn how to lean on the promise that I will send a helper. Right? And he was there, he witnessed the Pentecost. He was part of it. He saw God's spirit poured out on all flesh. And then he had to learn how to live a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, just like we do. This life, what I just described, this personal history that he has with Jesus, we are all responsible for our own personal history with Jesus in our lives. We, we need to do that. Um, but the, sometimes that relationship with God lands you on an island, and that's what it did with John here. See, John's relationship with God, what I just described, right? The way he interacted with others, the way he shared and talked about Jesus, got him uh, persecuted and removed. Removed from his daily life. Exiled, right? Removed from everything he knew. I think we could get a little taste of that when life is changed for you and you don't really get a, like, wait, wait a sec, right? I'm trying to learn to live and trust God and life is changed for you. Here, John is in, uh, uh, on an island of uncertainty. <laughs> so it was here though It was here where the message of God comes, where a revelation comes. If we, to walk by faith, doesn't mean to be certain, doesn't mean to have it all figured out, or else it wouldn't be faith. You're walking because you don't know what uh, the future's gonna hold, right? So here John is, and it's in this moment, and I, And I know I've experienced it when it seems like the foundations of my life have been been shifted so much that all I have is uncertainty. Uh, It seems that the Lord is faithful to speak, right? So, So this is John who is writing. He reminds us that he is he is our brother. In verses 9, he reminds us that he is on this island because of the relationship of God. And then he explains what happened. He gives us the story of what's happening. While he was praying, while he was in the Spirit, while he was uh, in the Spirit on the Lord's day, he heard a voice behind him. And I don't know about you, with all that personal history he has with Jesus, right, when you have heard a voice from the past. I don't know. Uh, right now, everything has caller ID, so you could see right who it is. But I remember picking up a phone, like one of those, and then hearing on the other line, that's my grandma's voice, right? Recognizing it, right? And she didn't have to say, it's your grandma, right? But um, when you hear a voice that you have known for such a long time, and then that has been removed either by death, by a movie, by relocation. Um, when you hear that voice, it doesn't just trigger the sound, 
of like someone's talking to me. It invokes all that history to come back up, right? It unveils everything that, it unveils the roots that you have in that relationship, right? In some degree. Now it could be, it could be, and it, it happens no matter if the relationship's bad. When you hear somebody's voice that you, that has hurt you, you're like, oh my goodness, it does something inside me, right? But John hears this voice, and it's a familiar voice, and he dares to turn to see, and he sees something new. He sees something, and he sees lampstands, and he sees the spirits, right? But then he sees the Son of Man. He turns to see Jesus again for the first time in a way that he never has, right? And then the language here, this is Jewish poetry. And the poetry is is a heart language. It's a way for us to try to experience what it is saying, right? I'm not a poet. I wish I was good at it, really. I really do. But man, John, he is. He is amazingly good at it. And he describes he describes seeing Jesus again almost like a, as somebody who is in love, right? See, when you are in a secure relationship with someone, right, uh, and it, the language comes out a little freely to express your heart. When it's insecure, you're not, you're not secure, you don't know where you stand with him. Fear seems to dominate the language or, or to energize that language, right? But John turns around and he sees Jesus again for the first time and he starts to describe, oh my goodness, it was, it's white hair. He has white hair, right? He has the golden sash around his chest, the chest that I once laid on, leaned on, right? And his eyes for a flame, a blaze. I, I hope we've experienced this either by someone in your life that loves you so dearly that when you're talking to them, their eyes are set and it's like they could see right through me, right? They could see through my, all my junk, they could see uh, whether I'm being in, insincere or if I'm trying to avoid. They see me and they still love me, right? I'm seen. That is this passionate gaze that Jesus is looking at John and he looks at us with, right? He's, yes, he sees through us. Yes, he sees all of that. But he is with a passion to love us, to purify us. There's no condemnation in Christ, right? The Lord's gaze on you is not a gaze of disappointment. He doesn't look at you. (laughs) This is a hard one to believe. He doesn't look at you and say, failure. Man, if only you were, only if you were better. I really want to love you. I really want us to, but man, you're just, 
just not enough. It's not in those. That is not in the Lord's eyes when he's gazing upon you. And I know we have sensed this gaze before, the loving gaze of God upon us. Have you ever experienced, and it could be anywhere, you'd be washing dishes, barbecue, and then just this, this immense like awareness and feeling like, oh my goodness, God, God is so good. Life is so good, right? It could be your children running around and it just captures you and it's a delight. And you're like, oh my goodness, life is amazing. I'm convinced that, that at that moment, you are sensing the loving gaze of God upon you. So, he is here, he sees this gaze of the Lord, and the Lord speaks to him, and his, his voice is like many waters. Um, my tendency when reading poetry like this, I want, it, well, I want it to be flowery, I want it to be light and shallow, right? But this speaks about, and it's getting to, have you ever uh, put yourself in the middle of a river? and felt the current, just like try to keep your balance. The words of the Lord, and we may have experienced this with mentors, somebody who, when they speak, um, they're not just saying knowledge, right? They're not just giving you information, but their words have a life that is consistent to what they are saying, right? A power, right? And that is what the sensation I imagine John is feeling, he's sitting and he's feeling these words again. He knows this feeling. He walked with Jesus. And when Jesus spoke, he it would cut. And the proper response, when we are seeing Jesus, in a new way, the appropriate response is what John has, has done here. He fell to his feet like a dead man. See, in John's relationship, we could see these larger themes of the Christian life that every Christian has to experience, is going to experience, right? We're going to experience Jesus showing up in our life in a different way, in a way we never expected him, the way we haven't seen him. And something in us has to surrender to it, has to fall to that feet, right? Don't mistake, and mistake me. I'm not saying that you get to give Jesus a new framework. I'm not saying that you get to rearrange the image of God. We don't, we don't get to do that. But in a relationship with the living God, he will show up in a way that we have not seen him before. And we have to trust that, um, that this, is, this is growth, right? This is what he wants. See, Jesus doesn't wipe away John's personal history with him. He builds on it. And the same with us. 
how we are introduced to Jesus is the foundation, is, is real. And the Lord builds on this. I don't know where I got this idea that I have to be constant, consistent. I know maybe in our culture, we like, it's good to be, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, good to be self-sufficient, independent. I, I get it. But when it comes to your relationship with God, I don't think there's room for that. Because God is the one who stays the same. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Another way of saying that is God, the God that our hearts need now is, is a God that uh, uh, drew him in the past, right? Is, is, is the God that's drawing our hearts in the future. He is going to be the God that our hearts need always, right? We do not get to rearrange the image of Jesus but we have to let God rearrange the image of himself in us. The image of our God shapes us. I've experienced this and it's terrifying because it feels like I'm losing something. Um, John was in this situation before. He has been on the floor like a dead man at the feet of Jesus before. When you think of the mount, when he, when G, he was brought up to the mount during the transfiguration, he saw Jesus completely different Jesus revealed himself in a new way. And the proper response is to die. Something in us needs to die when God reveals more of himself. Right? Because this book, Revelation, how we deal with things that are ending now, how we deal with things that are being revealed now, you could bank that we're going to do that in the future. If we are doing things out of fear, if we are trying to calculate uh, the, the future, so to protect ourselves out of a self, like preservation, um, man, we are causing tension in our lives. The future, the end, is part of this, part of this life, part of the Christian life. We go through ends all the time, the end of things all the time. Relationships, marriages, right? The, the, the relationships of our children, they change. Right now, <laughs> I wasn't planning on sharing this, but Steph and I, we were on, we're on the, 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 the threshold of our life changing, our family dynamic changing, right? Sending our kid off to college. This is his last year in high school, right? So everything's bittersweet. We see that things are going to change, right? And then we let that change reveal things in us. Um, 
It's the same thing. We know that things are going to change in the future. We didn't know that this pandemic was going to change so much. But in that change, it revealed, it brought things up to the surface. It revealed the strengths and the weaknesses of our community, right? And how we deal with that is a good indication. How God revealed how you dealt with that, how you processed, how you went through that, is a good indication of what you would do at the end of the world. But remember who we are in relationship with. We are in relationship with the living God who continues to change us, right? Continues to prepare us for the ends that we need to experience, right? John, like us, had to learn to not keep Jesus at arm's length. but to to really believe that you are one with God, that you are in union with God, to really trust that if Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, then he's going to teach me how to live. He's going to show me how to live. He's going to show me how to... He's going to show me how to die. He's going to show me how to resurrect. He is going, he is the resurrection. He will pull me out of this, right? So when we have these big ideas of ends and the end of the world, and, um, and I, I know you could go in so many directions to go really deep. Historically, the, this, this, this book has um, biblical history and imagery. You could go deep in any direction. But I, I think the blessing gives us a clue of how do we receive this book. It's the same way we receive all of the Word of God and all of the Word, word of God's work in us. You take it to heart. Make it real, right? And then it doesn't matter if it's the end. If it's an end of a relationship or the end of the world, you'll be able to be walking with it walking with the Lord, who will get you through anything, right? And we're going to get into some big themes in Revelation. Um, But it starts with taking it to heart. It starts with taking it to heart. You know, one of the, we are in relationship with a God, a holy God, the God who began this whole world who has never changed his mind about us, who created us out of love, a God of, a triune God of relationship. That's his heart's desire is to be in relationship with us. And then sin made that so complicated, breaking everyone's heart in the relationship. But it never changed the mind of God he, from the beginning, he was going to have a way for us to have a relationship with him. And he was going to secure that relationship. Right? He all had, his desire was always to love us. And our love is a responsive love to him. We love because he first loves us. Right? 
And one of the ways, the best way that you could express and receive love is feeding someone. And we're gonna, we have that opportunity every Sunday to let God feed us. But know that in the, in the receiving of that, we are letting God love us, right? And not just to leave it here so we could go feed others with that same love. And it, it could be just a meal. We should start it that way. Especially at, if, if this is the end of the world, and in some ways it has been, right? Maybe we should start, maybe we should experience the end of the world over a meal, right? That's, uh, that's all I got. But thanks for the kind faces, right? The smiles, the encouragement, that some of it, some of the, some of the eyes are like, oh, I think he's going off the rails. No. <laughs> um, I kid. But um, I want to pray for us. I'm trusting that the Lord used this. He, he did with me. Real quick, it's kind of funny. Um, because I am, I'm nervous, right? I, I called a friend this morning. I was like, dude, pray for me. I'm going to die. Um, and then I had my kids pray for me, right? I was nervous. And then I guess I was giving off this energy that I was just a wreck, right? Because I'm, I'm walking around. My daughter's like, do you have to do this? Like, do you? I was like, I already gave my word. I, I, I don't know what to right? And then, um, and uh, yeah, I was looked at like if I was gonna have like some kind of like important procedure, like I was gonna get a heart, open heart surgery. Everyone's looking at me like, tough day, tough day. <laughs> but, uh, and I, I shared earlier that uh, when I walked in the door, I wasn't too nervous, okay? Until we started setting things up and I was like, oh my goodness, this is church, I'm not ready. But I, I say that because I, I say that because that's, that's me, right? <laughs> that's me. And, uh, and mm, I say that because I've been fed at this church. I've been loved at this church. And um, the image of God, uh, I encountered Jesus differently at this church, right? In this community. And it couldn't have been any different. Like everyone that was here at the time of the season needed to be here, right? Or else it wouldn't have been the way it was. I say that because um, it begins with a surrendering to faith that we are being fed by God. We are letting, us, letting God love us. And that imagery that the bread, this is the body of Christ, and it's given to us. Look at the trajectory when we eat it. 
We are the body of Christ. And we go out. So let's pray. Father, Lord, you use everything. You don't waste anything in our lives. The heartache, the betrayals, the sins we've done, the sins done to us, somehow in your amazing divine wisdom and love, you bring it together and you use it and you shape us to look more and more like your son. I pray, Lord, as we look at this book, that you reveal the things in us. That when we look to the future and we look at this, that we know that we are in union with you and that we can face the end of anything, knowing that you live forever, that you have the keys of death and Hades, that our life is in you. You have given us life and you will never reject yourself. And you have given us yourself. Prepare our hearts for the table. Prepare our, our, our minds and our hearts to receive this word as we go through the book of Revelations as a community. And help us, Lord, receive your word and take it to heart. In Jesus' name, amen.